I'm so glad you've chosen to be here today. Happy Easter to you. Welcome to Mission Hill. We have been talking about the last words of Jesus on the cross. We're going to continue that conversation in just a moment. If you have your copy of God's Word, you can look in Luke chapter 23. We're going to begin reading in about verse 44. You can find that in whatever method you have of turning into God's Word. I want to just begin with the reality check. One day, one day, we're all going to have our final sunset. I know what you're thinking. Well, gee whiz, Pastor Paul, that's a happy Easter to you. I mean, can you cheer us up anymore? The reality is it was um, a little more than two years ago, almost three years ago, that my dad and I posed for this picture, and it was the last sunset picture I have with my dad, uh, my hero. What a great picture, right? Uh, There we are, Indian Rocks Beach, the best sunsets in the world. Had no idea that would be the last time we would have the opportunity to enjoy that moment, but boy, did we enjoy that moment. We were breathing it in. You can tell on our faces. We were making the most of the moment. In just a couple of weeks, it'll be two years since my dad entered into eternity. Now, I want you to know, I didn't lose my dad. When you, when you lose something, you don't know where it is. I know exactly where my dad is because uh, that was our last sunset picture, but we believe not just in sunsets. We believe that because the sun, Jesus, has risen, that uh, the sun will rise on another day, and that death is not the end of the road. Death is just the bend in the road for those who are followers of Jesus Christ. But here's what I know. It's hard. It's been hard for me. It's been hard for our family, for my sweet mom. Man, it's like you, you know the truth, but sometimes waves of grief just come out of nowhere, and, and some of you are dealing with stuff like that today. Grief in your life or pain in your life or anxiety in your life or relational turmoil in your life. And it's in moments like these that we understand the reason for celebrating the resurrection of Jesus because we have a God who understands everything we face. He's never caught off guard by the circumstances of our life. He gets us. He knows what we're going through. I was with my dad when he, uh, when he breathed his last breath. Um, my brother and his wife and Kimberly and I were standing around him holding his hand and just singing hymns like this one. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Isn't that great? Just the confidence of knowing that because God is with you, nothing in this life has to fill up totally out of your control. Yeah, I was with him, and and I realized that he didn't just teach me how to live. He he taught me how to die. He taught me a lot in in how he taught me to live. He's a hard worker. He he taught me to work hard. He he taught me to study the scriptures. He he was my pastor. He he taught me to preach. So you don't like it, just blame him. Man, he taught me how to love family and how to love his wife. There's a lot he taught me. He taught me how to die because that process was about nine months for him that we just walked through uncertain days. And and just seeing him through that, he wasn't afraid of death. And and the reason is, is because he knew uh, that which we're going to talk about today. He, He knew the truth of the message of Easter That though there are sunsets in life, that since the Son of God has risen, we always have hope. We've been looking at the last words of Jesus on the cross. And and we've learned that as you listen to these last words, you can understand that God gets you. Even in his death, God was saying, I get you. For example, that, that first word, man, I can relate to this. Has anybody blown it this week? Anybody messed up this week? You said something you shouldn't have said. You, you did something you shouldn't have done. You went somewhere you shouldn't have went. The Bible calls that sin. Sin is anything we do that God says, don't do that. And it's also anything we don't do that God says, hey, you should do this. 
and we all sin according to Scripture, and that sin separates us from God. And man, so when we sin, we've blown it. And there are times I, I feel like just a mess. And so I can relate to these words that Jesus said first from the cross. It was a word of pardon. He looked out at the crowd and those around him and he said, Father, forgive them. They're clueless. They don't know what they're doing. That word of forgiveness, he, he gets me. He, he gets you. There was a word of forgiveness, but God also knows that sometimes I struggle with doubt. Do you ever struggle with doubt? I've mentioned before, I hope this doesn't make you think bad about me, but there literally are times I think, okay, God, am I really saved? Because I, I keep blowing it, I keep messing up, and, and I doubt things, I doubt this world. And, and in the second word, Jesus gave a word of assurance, a word of comfort, because he turned to this criminal and he said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. And that just tells me he gets me, and he gets you. And then there are those times, I just need to tell you, there are those times where I don't feel very loved. I learned this song um, when I was a child, nobody loves me, everybody hates me. Think I'll go to the garden and eat some worms. Great big shiny worms, eensy meensy tiny worms, whoo, they tickle when they squirm. Uh, maybe you felt like nobody loves you. Um, and sometimes it's not funny, is it? And so... In his next word, Jesus gives a word of compassion when he looks down at his mom and he says, Oh, sweet mama, Mary, my boy over here, John, he's going to take care of you. And then he looks at John, the only friend who was there at the cross, and he says, John, take care of your mama. And it just reminds me that God knows when we have those moments when we feel unloved and we need the arms of God to surround us and... Oh, he gets us. Aren't you grateful for that? But then that fourth word was a word of agony. It's the third, second time that Jesus prayed and he cries out, My God, why have you forsaken me? And it's like the lights were turned off and they literally were all around the world. The world went dark. The sun stopped shining. And Jesus felt forsaken as he took on the sins of the world. And we've learned that in that moment, he actually endured all the dimensions of hell so that you and I would never have to endure or experience hell. But we do know what it's like to feel like the lights have been cut off. You get that call from the doctor you did not want. You get that recognition that the loved one that you did not think you could live without is gone, whether by death or by destruction in your marriage. You face financial, just fill in the blank. We know what it's like to feel like the lights have cut off. And our God gets us. He gets us in our pain. He understands suffering. Our, our suffering world, we needed a suffering Savior. So Jesus cries out on the cross, I thirst. In that agony of death, he lets us know that he doesn't even have that simple need met of the quenching of his thirst. And you've got need. Some of you live with pain physically, emotionally, which I believe is probably the worst pain we can imagine. And yet he gets us. And through all of this, when we feel defeated, our God reminds us he's victorious. And he does that with those next words because he says, it is finished. Say that with me. Say, it is finished. It is finished. And it was that word to die, which literally meant it's been paid for. Your bill's been covered. I got you. I mean, so Jesus was saying, even when you're defeated, I'm not. And I've got you because I get you. Now, as I read through these words, that would be a great place to stop, that sixth word. It's finished. It's done. Matter of fact, some of you are like, we would prefer if right now you would already say, it's finished, and we could go. But that would be too early, and that would have been too early for Jesus. That was a sixth word. There's seven words, and seven is that number of completion in the Scriptures, right? In fact, here's a test for you, pop test. How many days did it take for God to create the earth. 
<laughs> you are better than the other services. They all said seven. But you're right. It's six. In six days, he did everything that needed to be done. And then you know what he said? It is finished. And then on the seventh day, he rested. And in this seventh word, Jesus is showing us that if we really want to know how to die, if we really want to know how to live, we had better learn how to rest in him. Do you know how to rest in Jesus? Have you given him that total control of your life? Have, have you let him take care of everything for you? Let me ask you this. Have you ever felt like life is spinning out of control? Things are now out of your hands. There's nothing else you can do. The last moments of Jesus' life are recorded in every one of the Gospels. In Matthew 27, it says this, and, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Remember that loud voice. In Mark 15 and verse 37, it says this, With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. And then in John, in chapter 19 and verse 30, it says, When he received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished! And with that, he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. They all tell us about the moment, but only Dr. Luke, only the Gospel of Luke, tells us the words of Jesus. And that's what we're going to read. Uh, let me read this to you from Luke chapter 23, beginning in verse 44. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness had come over the whole land until the ninth hour. So it was about nine in the morning that they put Jesus on the cross. Those first three sayings took place in those first three hours. At noon, the world went dark when God said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then for about three hours, there was silence as Jesus utters these last three words. The sun had stopped shining. The curtain of the temple was torn into two. And Jesus called out with a loud voice. Now there it is again. This should sound unusual to you. I've been around a lot of people in their last moments. They don't usually have a loud voice. Usually... It's a quiet voice. And their last breath. Why Jesus with a loud voice? Don't miss this. Jesus wants you to remember he was always in control. A few years ago, the movie came out, The Passion of the Christ. And when that happened, there began to be controversy around the world because are some people blaming another group of people for killing Jesus? I mean, that would be a bad thing. Are the Romans being blamed? Are the Jews being blamed? Are the Christians being blamed? Who killed Jesus? And that the reality is, Scripture makes it abundantly clear, Jesus gave up his life for you. That's the heart of the gospel, that God loves you so much that he did what he didn't have to do. He gave his life for you. And so with a loud, triumphant, victorious voice, he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And with this, he breathed his last. The centurion, the guard standing around seeing what had happened, praised God and said, surely this was a righteous man. I love the way Matthew records this because Matthew says that he looked and he said, surely this is the Son of God. And I just need you to know, not just on Easter, but on 365 days out of the year, people are watching you and the way you live and ultimately the way you die is going to demonstrate what you truly believe in and where your faith is. And all the people who had gathered to witness the sight, they saw what took place. They beat their breast and went away. Some of them were proud. And you know, I, I've been around church all my life, and I've been to a lot of Easter's, and sometimes we leave that way. We just feel good about ourselves. We're kind of beating our chest. Yeah, I'm all right. But all them that knew him, 
including the women who had followed him from Galilee. They stood at a distance watching these things. And isn't that kind of where you are today, right? Distant from the cross, just saying, God, what, what are you up to? What, what are you saying? What is, what is it you want me to learn? Recognizing that in teaching us how to die, Jesus was actually also showing us how to live. So this is very practical. Can I, can I just give you a few things that will help you even this week, even today, from what Jesus just said? Number one, Jesus died with prayer on his lips. This was a prayer. How do I know that? Because he addressed his Father in heaven, and that's the way Jesus prayed. He, he started this first word with a prayer, Father, forgive them. His, his, his next prayer, um, he felt abandoned by God, so he didn't say, Father. He was bearing the weight of all of our sin, and he said, my God. But then this last word, this last word, he's, he's crying out to the Father, he knows the Father, and he's praying. And, and Jesus understood the power of prayer. Do you understand the power of prayer? Do you know what it's like to talk to God and then to listen to him and let him answer you? Man, prayer is an amazing thing. Sometimes when you can't do anything else, you can pray. Pastor, a friend of mine, just yesterday, after a two-year battle with cancer, he, he lost his wife. And you're thinking, what, what, do you, what do you say in moments like that? Day before Easter, sometimes there's no words. It's just prayer. Well, Jesus prayed a lot. Um, he, he made prayer a part of his life. In fact, the disciples, when the disciples wanted Jesus to teach them something. They didn't say, teach us to do that miracle, that water to wine thing. That would be a great party trick, Jesus. If we, if we just had that, teach us that. They didn't do that. They didn't say, teach us to preach. I mean, when you preach, thousands of people show up. They didn't do that. They did say, teach us to pray. And so not only do we know that just before Jesus went to the cross, he prayed. We know that throughout his ministry, he taught his disciples to pray. And so I was thinking, how do we drive this home? How do I make sure you understand this? It's because I, I think what we need to do is just model prayer right now. And so I want to pray with you. And when we get to the end of my time praying, I want you to join me in prayer. And we're going to pray what we call the model prayer or the Lord's Prayer. Now, I know it's Easter and some of you think, great. I came to church on Easter and now they're going to ask me to pray a prayer I don't know. Good news. It's going to be on the screen. So you can just say it out loud with me as you're reading the screen. You say, but my eyes are going to be closed. Nope, we're not going to do it that way. You don't have to close your eyes um, while you pray. I pray all the time when I'm driving. It would be very dangerous if I closed my eyes. So I want to pray with you, and I'm going to pray for you. And here's what I want you to do. As I pray, I'm looking out at you, and maybe you're looking at some people around you, and maybe you're with a family member, and you just want to glance over at them as you pray, and you think about these words to God. Um, and then when we get to the end, I'm going to invite you just to pray that model prayer with me. Uh, so let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus and like Jesus, again, we just come to you in prayer, recognizing that you know all things. So this very moment on Easter Sundays, not caught you off guard Thank you that even in church, we can pray with our eyes open. And God, I thank you that your eyes are open and you know everything going on in the lives of every person here. And God, these are precious lives. I mean, your word says I can call a lot of these folks my sheep because I get to be a shepherd over them. And Lord, I just look at them and I've grown to love them. And I just think about uh, what some of them are walking through and, and the pains, the uncertainties in their life. Lord, I know some of the change that's coming up in some of their lives, and I just lift that to you. I, I know some of the challenges that they're facing, some of the heartache and some of the heartbreak that they've been through. Lord, some are just living in physical pain. God, I can't imagine just every day, and I know that you're faithful. God, others are living in emotional pain, which I have to say I think may be worse because they feel like their mind is out of control and their emotions are out of control. But you're in control, God. And even those that I know that have walked through grief, even in recent days, you're with them too. 
So I thank you for that. And God, I just pray that as we get to the end of this time together, like maybe never before, they understand that our lives can be in your hand. So, oh, Father, teach us more and more how to pray. Jesus, just as you taught the disciples when you prayed, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Would you give God praise who wants us to talk to him? Now, why did Jesus pray? He prayed because he knew that the Father cared. He knew the Father would listen. He knew the Father loved him. Do you know that about the Father? Our little girl, she hates math. Anybody else hate math? She got it honestly because her dad hates math. I go back, just bear with me. I can think back to ninth grade when I was in Algebra 2 and Miss Cook looked at one, she held up one of my test grades in front of the class and she looked at me and went, huh, Purvis, you're not as smart as your brother, are you? (laughs) I've hated math ever since that moment. I was like little Brad. Brad was trying to learn math from his uh, teacher. His teacher said, Brad, you got $2. You ask your dad for $10. How many dollars do you have? And Brad said, I got two dollars. She looked at him and said, Brad, you don't know math. He looked at her and said, you don't know my father. We pray because we know the father. We know he listens. We know he cares. We know he loves us. Hope you have a pattern of prayer life. But Jesus died not only with prayer on his lips, he died with God's word in his heart. Do you have God's word in your heart? A lot of people tell me, Pastor, I just wish God would speak to me. He does. You know how he speaks to you? He's given you the Bible. He's given you his perfect word. And there's a verse in here that says, this contains everything you need for life and for godliness. So I've tried to, I've tried to get into God's word and let it get into me. Would you do that? You want to know how to to live a little better? Just get into God's word. Let it get into you. So when I struggle and think, I don't understand, I don't know if I can make it through this, I I go back to a verse I, I learned when I was about eight years old. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path, Paul. That's God's word to me. I remember when I'm anxious, when I'm worrying, I I remember a verse I learned probably about the same age, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and with supplication. That means asking God with thanksgiving. Make your request known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Wow. You say, well, I want to hear God speak to me out loud. Read the Bible out loud. This is God's word. Get into God's word and let God's word get into you. That's why the psalmist would say, I've hidden God's word in my heart that I may not sin against him. He also says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, why am I saying that about Jesus? When Jesus prayed, you know what he was praying? Scripture. He's done that several times. Four of the seven things that Jesus said from the cross were scripture verses. And that's no different here. It's Psalms 31.5. Look at this. Into your hands I commit my spirit. You see, when I have scripture in my heart, it, it helps me with the prayer that's on my lips. Sometimes I don't know what to pray. Bible says that's going to happen. So sometimes all I can do is pray those words of God back to him. Right? So I began to think, is there any other example of anybody else who ever prayed like this? They were about to die, and they prayed this prayer to God. And all I had to do is look at the very first person after Jesus that died because of Jesus. 
His name was Stephen. He was one of the first Christians, the followers of Christ. And it, it, there, there came a line in the sand moment where he had to decide, am I going to follow Jesus regardless of the cost? And he chose to follow Jesus. And, and so the people in his town said, we're going to take your life. And they took him out into the outside the city streets and and they begin to stone him. And this is what it says in Acts 7, 59. And while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And you know what God does when we pray his word back to him? All you have to do is look and see what was next for Stephen. Because the Bible says Stephen looked up into heaven and he saw Jesus. And you know what Jesus was doing? Jesus was standing up. Now, Jesus is usually sitting down at the right hand of the Father. Not this time. Jesus was standing up. He was cheering him on. He said, come on, Stephen, I got you. And if he had Stephen in that moment, he's got you whatever you face. Jesus died with prayer on his lips. He died with God's word in his heart. But I want you to hear what I think is the best thing. He died with confidence in his mind. This was a prayer of commitment. Confident that by praying this prayer, it's going to change things. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. He had a peace of mind. He knew things were okay. He knew it was going to work out. He knew how how this was going to end. And while he was God, and we're not, his word tells us that we can know that too. I want to share a verse with you, but before I do, I, I want you to understand what I'm saying. The Bible says that you can know today how it's all going to end for you. You see, Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. That's significant. We don't talk a lot about spirit, except in a space like this. We talk about our bodies. In fact, we spend a lot of time making our bodies look the best we can with what we've got to work with, right? I mean, we work out, we diet, we get new clothes, and then we get newer clothes a different size. I mean, we, we do the best we can with our body, but Jesus is letting us in on something here. It's not our body that lasts forever. It's our spirit. This body, (laughs) this week my dryer broke, and I decided that I was a dryer mechanic. I am not. And what should have been about a 90-second fix Two hours later, after I'd already gone and got a pillow to put under my knees, and I was climbing in the dryer, and I was covered with sweat. Man, for three days, I couldn't move a muscle, all because of that dumb dryer. Yeah, we, we spend a lot of time working on this body that is going to decay, whether it's in a tragic accident or a house fire or whether it just gets old. Your body's not going to last, but your spirit will. And your spirit is going to spend forever somewhere. And the Bible tells you you can know where. 1 John 5, 13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. That's pretty exciting. You can know that. You don't have to leave here today wondering if you'll go to heaven if something happens. You can know that with confidence. You can know that with certainty. How? Because you pray that prayer, the same prayer Jesus did. Father, my life is in your hands. Jesus knew there's safety and security in the Father's hands. Do you know that? I'll give you a few verses I like. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Do not fear. Say, do not fear. Did you know the Bible tells you not to fear at least 365 times? That's at least once a day the Bible says, do not fear. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with what? My righteous right hand. Man, the hand of God. Wow, I've been to Rodin's Museum in Paris, France, and he's got this great piece of artistry called the hand of God. It's amazing. It's amazing. 
but it doesn't do it justice. The hand of God is mighty. Isaiah 49, 16 says, See, I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. You were in his hands. That's a good feeling, isn't it? Y'all know what the statue of limitations is? You know, you can't prosecute somebody after the... So remember that as I tell you this story. When I was growing up, we had a Ford LTD in our family. Anybody remember what a Ford LTD looked like? It's a land boat. I mean, it's like as long as a hearse. I mean, it's really big car. And those cars back in those days had a really cool feature. Above the back seat, there was like a ledge under the window. And my big brother taught me that on long trips, I was short enough to lay down and sleep in the ledge of that back window. Now, I know what you're thinking. That's crazy. I mean, if I drive down the street today and I see kids jumping up and down in the car, I'm like calling the popo. I mean, I, I want somebody to do something. But not back then. I mean, you could lay in the back window of the car. So on a long trip, I would go to sleep there. We'd get home and, man, late at night, you don't want to wake up. I can't remember a lot of that, but I, I remember this. I remember those times my, my dad would take me in his big, strong hands, take me out of that window, put me in my bed, tuck me in, kiss my forehead. There's safety and security in the Father's hands. Jesus said this in John 10, My sheep, those who are in Christ, those who've yielded their lives to Christ, those who've put their lives in God's hand. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one, say no one, no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me, is he, he's even greater than all. And no one, say no one, no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Friend, I want you to know that you have a God who understands what you're going through. He gets you. That's the whole reason that Jesus went to the cross. He knew that you were lost on your own, that your sin alone was enough to separate you from God and cause you to miss out on the power and the provision that he had for your life. But Jesus took the punishment for your sin and he defeated death on the cross so that you could trust him with your life and everything in it. That's why a guy like the Apostle Paul, who would also call himself the chief, the worst of sinners. And I read that passage again this week just in my Bible reading, and I was reminded that he says, I am the worst of sinners. He didn't say, I used to be. He said, I am the worst of sinners. But this is what he, he, he wrote to a young guy he was mentoring, Timothy. He said, I know whom I have believed in. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard that which I've entrusted in him until that day. Friend, I want you to know that on Resurrection Sunday, on Easter Sunday, you can celebrate the fact that when you put something in God's hands, he can handle it. You can trust him. By the way, Sometimes those that have gone before us, we, f we feel like, man, I wish I could tell them something. Do you have a loved one you've ever felt that way? If not, you will. And we can't do that, can we? But get this. If they've been in the Father's hands, here's what you can do. You can tell the Father and say, hey, hey tell my dad how much I love him. Tell him how grateful I am for him. Tell him how thankful I am for what he taught me. There's safety and security in the Father's hand. But if your spirit doesn't fall into the hand of the Father in safety and security, it, it could fall into the hand of God who is our judge. That's what Hebrews says in chapter 10. He says, it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You, you don't want that. You want to fall into the safe and secure hands of God. So 
I told you we could learn just from how he died. Even in his last words, I can learn that, man, prayer needs to be on my lips. I can learn that Scripture needs to be in my heart. And, and I can learn that my mind can be at peace. These anxious thoughts can be, become confident because of Jesus. But there's something else I want you to know. Jesus also died to live another day. He's not dead, though he was dead. He is alive. If you turn to the next page in Luke, or if you turn to the other Gospels, you'll see the resurrection account. I want you to hear the account from John 20. Mary stood outside of the tomb crying. You ever been hurting so much that you've been weeping over physical pain or over death or loss? Emotional pain. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the the foot, and they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they've put him. And at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. And notice this interaction. Woman, he said, Why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? My daughter's favorite food is steak. Pray for us. That's rather expensive. But last night she had steak for dinner. But it was gone in like 3.4 seconds. And so... I asked her, would you like some of my broccoli? What do you think she said? No. So I said, come here. And I asked her, Anaya, do you trust me? She said, yes, Daddy. I said, open your mouth. She opened her mouth. And I put in a piece of my steak. But this is what she did. I said, Anaya, what are you doing? I said, do you know what's in your mouth? No, no, sir. I said, it's steak. And yet the reality is she did something we do. We let things that we should have put in the Father's hand so consume us that we don't see the truth for the reality that we've concocted in our minds. Counselors will tell you 90% of the stuff that you worry about never happens. But you still let it consume your life. Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. (laughs) Hey, here's what you need to celebrate on Easter weekend. Jesus died for your sins. And even in his death, you can know that he gets you. But Jesus, (laughs) he's alive. You have a living God that loves you. You have a living God in whom you can place all of your life into his hands. On Resurrection Sunday, we're reminded that Jesus is alive and Jesus the Christ, our living God, he gets us. He's not surprised by what's going on with you. And I'm saying this firsthand in a couple ways. I've had the privilege to be in the Holy Land on several occasions. I've been to the garden tomb where they buried Jesus, and I've looked, and he's not. Look, there's the former mayor of Temple Terrace, Joe Affronte. He's an eyewitness. He's checking it out. He's sitting right here. Joe, you looked in the tomb. Was Jesus there? He's alive. It was empty. But let me tell you what else. I know because I put my life in his hands. I've learned what Mary learned that day when she heard the first words 
Think about that. We just finished the last words. These are the first words of the risen Christ. Here's what he said. Number one, Mary, God, God knows your name. I don't know all your names. I'm sorry. I wish I did. But God knows your name. Matter of fact, tell me your name. On the count of three, everybody just tell me your name. One, two, three. Yeah, I still don't know your name. But God knows your name. But not only that, God knows what brings you pain. He knows why you're crying. He knows why you're burdened today. Why are you crying, Mary? It wasn't because Jesus didn't know. He just, he just needed her to voice it to him. But here's the kicker. He also knows whether or not you're looking in the right places to, to meet your needs. Did you catch that? Mary, who are you looking for? And see, here's the reality. It's Easter. I'm so glad you're here. I mean, I got a new coat for you today. Don't you like that? I mean, it's Eastery. And, and by the way, this is my dad's shirt I'm wearing today. That's kind of cool, isn't it? You know, on Easter, we, we kind of put on our best and we dress up and we can be professional at changing our countenance. I mean, we can say, how you doing, buddy? Good to see you. We can give a thumbs up. We can smile like everything's all right. But he knows what's going on behind the face. And he knows whether or not you've put your life in his hands. Just like he knew about the young man yesterday that came to Easter Fest. <laughs> he lived in the area. He was just coming because he saw the crowd. He wanted to check it out. And the first place he went was our prayer tent. Had a big sign that said prayer. And so he walked over there and didn't know anyone. They didn't know him. But he began to share as they talked that uh, he had already made the decision that that was going to be his sunset day. He was going to take his life. See, like some of you, life felt like it was out of control, out of hand. He decided just to walk into the crowd because he thought maybe being around people, he might have some clarity. And the first place he stopped was the prayer tent. This was a kid's event. I mean, he wasn't with any kids and came to the prayer tent and he began to share that story and our folks began to talk to him and you know that after an hour after about an hour of talking to them and sharing the truth of the gospel that man put his life into the hands of God he became a follower of the risen Jesus and you know those two individuals that talked with him they said pastor his whole countenance changed he walked away different. He told them, I feel like a new man. See, that's what happens when you put your life into the hands of God. So what about you? Is your life in the hands of God? See, the reality is I didn't know that was going to be my dad's last sunset with me. But I do know <laughs> that there'll be another sunrise. Because my dad had put his life in the hands of the Father. And I have put my life in the hands of the Father. And because the Son is not dead and He is risen, we will meet again. I just want to make sure you've put your life in the hands of God. Would you bow your heads with me? You see, whether it's Easter or any other day, the reality is we're always two groups of people. Some have got a relationship with God through Jesus, and there's been a moment. You can look back to that moment. And just like the two who walked through the waters of believers' baptism today, you can look back to a time where you said, God, my life is in your hands. And if that's you, the first thing you need to do is just tell God thank you. I mean, that's a great feeling. But the reality is some of you are like me, and there's some areas of your life you've taken it back. You've taken things into your own control, and you're not very good at it. You're going to fail at that. 
And so if that's you and you know for certain that you've got a relationship with Jesus, maybe today this is a moment of recommitment and you just need to say, God, I'm putting this back into your hands. I'm putting this health battle back into your hands. I'm putting my marriage or my relationship status back into your hands. I'm putting my financial condition back into your hands. I'm putting my spiritual growth back in your hands, whatever that is. But somebody's here today. There's a lot of you here today. You've never begun a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about going through the motions. You might have been very religious You've been Baptist or Catholic or Methodist, Episcopal or Lutheran, Assembly of God. You don't even know what the church is you're in today. You've been through rituals like church class and First Communion and Confirmation. You've been baptized. Could have been dipped or dunked. You've raised a hand. You've walked down an aisle. But in your hearts, you feel like I haven't been changed. There's never been that moment where I've truly said, I'm resigning as the boss of my life. I'm not going to be in charge anymore. God, because of Jesus, my life is in your hands. That's who I'm talking to right now. I want to give you a chance to make that change, to trust Jesus with your all. And it's simple. You just got to pray that prayer that Jesus prayed. Father, into your hands I commit my life. Think about that. In dying, Jesus told us how to live forever. Father, into your hands I commit my life. Acknowledging you need him because of that sin that we talked about. Believing that the death that we've been describing was in your place. And then following him and giving him control. There's not a magic prayer, but I believe there can be a prayer of confession. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believing in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you could be saved. Do you need to pray that prayer today, that prayer of commitment, of confession? Maybe you would just pray this with me right where you are. You want to make sure, you want to know for certain today, pray this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, just you and him. Dear Jesus, I know I need you. My life is out of control. I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. I believe you died for me. And I believe this Easter morning that you live again. So here I am. Father, my life is in your hands. From now on, I'm following you. I tell him thank you. That's how simple it is. Now you just got to follow after him. He can handle it. He can handle everything you've just put in his hands. I'm going to end this time of prayer in just a moment. But before I do that, I want to celebrate with those of you that just prayed that prayer. Because that's the most important decision you could ever make. I'm not going to come to you. I couldn't get to you. I'm not going to come to you and embarrass you or draw any attention to you. But I want to give you a chance while eyes are closed and our heads are bowed just to, to let me know. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you, welcome to God's family. Bunches of folks last service raised their hand and said, yes, that's me. So if that's you, if you just prayed that prayer with me, or maybe there was one in your own words you prayed just saying, God, my life is in your hands. I'm following Jesus from this point forward. When I count to three all across this room, I just want you to lift your hand. Ready? One, two, three. Just lift your hand. Welcome to God's family. Ma'am, welcome to God's family. Sir, there in the back, welcome to God's family. All across the room. Welcome to God's family. That's the most important thing you'll ever do. So, Father, we declare it's good to be in your hands. It's good to have the confidence that no matter what else happens in this life, because you're alive, Jesus, we can face tomorrow. We can face our future. We can face uncertain days. We can do that with hope. We can do that with confidence because you live. We love you, Lord. We worship you, the risen Lord Jesus, even now. In Jesus' name, amen.